So we are in, I believe this is the fifth week of our In Case You Missed It series, and what we've been doing for this series is taking a look at some of the uh, stories in the Old Testament. Most of these stories are, are stories that we know. Uh, we've read them before, but maybe we've kind of bypassed or, or looked over some of the more important things that, that God wanted to tell us in these stories. And, and today, uh, we're going to be taking a look at Elijah and the angel army. All right, now, Elisha, uh, just some backstory on him. He was the successor to Elijah, who we talked about last week. We talked about Elijah and the widow. Uh, so Elisha comes into the picture after this. In fact, uh, we know that Elijah was a, an amazing man of God. He was uh, a prophet who, who fulfilled his duties in uh, amazing ways. And, and at some point, he received the word that Elisha is going to be taking over for you. Elisha will be the next prophet. And so Elijah, he sets out on a journey to go and find Elisha. He finds him. He uh, commissions him as the, the next prophet. And immediately, Elisha, he leaves his job. He's a farmer. Uh, he leaves his job as a farmer to follow Elijah. And so uh, before we really dig into this story, I want to ask you guys a question, and it's, it, it's this. Have you ever had something in your life that seemed impossible. Something in your life that, that you just felt oh, the, just sheer overwhelming, the, just the, the weight of it, you were, you were terrified of what the outcome of the situation might be, like, and you just weren't sure what to do. You've done everything in your power that you can think of to try to make this thing work out, and it's just not happening. Have you ever been there? I know that I have. I'm sure all of us have probably been in, in some kind of situation like that. And, and in that situation, what, how did you handle it? Were you, were you overcome with fear and anxiety and, and, and worry? Did you, did you try your best to manage those emotions, but maybe in the end you just you felt like giving up? Again, I've been there. I've been in that place where I just thought, there's nothing I can do. And listen, maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're in a, in a tough situation, you're stuck in a situation, and you're just not sure how to get out of it. You've done everything you can think of, everything in, in your power, but you feel desperate, you feel defeated. Whether you've been there in that place before or, or you're there today, this is going to be a good message for you because did you know that we have a God that is fighting for us? The God that goes to battle for us every single day. Did you know that we can learn to replace those feelings of fear and anxiety and doubt with peace? And that's really what we're going to be looking at today is, is how we can do it. That's what, that's what Elisha is going to show us. Now, a prophet in the Old Testament was really just a spokesperson for God, right? They had, they had one function, really. It was to receive God's message and to give it to the people. To hear what God had to say and then deliver that message to the people. That, that was a prophet's main function. And e Elijah and Elisha both did amazing jobs of that. In fact, they, they even worked together for a, a little bit. And what they did was they went out and they, they were challenging the people. They were showing the people the true God's power versus Baal. Right, Baal was a small g god. He, he, was, he was worshipped a lot back then. And, and so Elijah and Elisha both had missions to go out and show that, that there was one true God. And the true power came from this God, not from Baal. And so we're going to pick up Elisha's story as the spokesperson of God. Uh, Elijah has, has, has gone up into heaven at this point. And so Elisha is on his own. And he's, uh, working, as, as, uh, he's working with the king of Israel. So we're going to pick this up. This is in uh, 2 Kings. So if you have a Bible, Bible app, go ahead and open to 2 Kings. We're going to be camped out in chapter 6. That's where this story takes place, starting in verse 8. 
says, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. and He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of his officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, he tells the king of Israel every even the words that you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so that I can send troops and seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. And so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. All right, so here's what, what we see here. Elisha, through the power of God, he is, he's offering direction and counsel to the king of Israel regarding this, this war that's about to happen. Okay, through prophecy, he, he knows what's going to happen, and he's, he's telling the king all of these, these secrets. And the king of Aram, he hears about it, right, and, and, and he gets upset. And so he sends his troops off to go out and find this man of God. Chapter 6, verse 15, it says, When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. So Elisha's servant, he, he wakes up in the morning. He's getting stuff ready for the day. He's going about his business. He looks outside and he sees a lot of, uh-oh, right? Like there's a lot of trouble outside. He looks out and, and he understands. He, immediately he's overcome with fear. He realizes like we are unprepared. We are outnumbered. Like we are in a, a this is imminent death for us. We are in a situation that there is no hope. And he says, oh, Lord. Or, oh, sir, what will we do now? This looks impossible. Right? This looks like an impossible situation. But Elisha, he, he sees it a little bit differently. He says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. His servant has to be like, what are you talking about? Don't be afraid. You don't be afraid. What do you mean there's more on our side? Like he's looking out and all he sees are these troops of the enemy everywhere. But Elisha says, don't be afraid. There's more of us than there is of them. So really what we're going to see in this story is, is a picture of, of the power of prayer and great faith. In the story, we're going to experience the power of prayer in, in three really significant ways. The first way is this, prayer, it trains us to respond with peace instead of fear in the midst of our trials. Okay, it trains us to respond with peace instead of fear. So in the army and army, they, they're sent out to destroy Elisha, his servant. He looks out, he sees him, he's overcome with fear. They're surrounded by uh, this crazy amount of troops. It looks like there's no escape. So imagine how he was probably feeling. And I think a lot of us would probably respond the same way that he did. Right? We'd look out, we'd open the shutters. I assume they had shutters. I don't know what they had. Open the, open the shutter, look out, and see that, and be like, nope, shut them. 
Like, there's no way going out there. There's no, like, there's nothing we can do. But Elijah responds differently. He says, don't be afraid. For there are more on our side than there are on theirs. There's this clear, really obvious contrast between the fear of Elisha's servant and the peace that Elisha is, is feeling in this situation. So why, why is that? How is that? How can Elisha feel peace in this circumstance? And I believe it was because he was a man who was connected with God through prayer and through great faith. Elisha was a man who was dedicated to his prayer life. He was in consistent connection with God. And although it doesn't state it specifically in this story, we, we can assume that Elijah, he knew what was happening, right? He'd prophesied every other place that the king of Aram would, would attack. So he probably knew exactly what was happening, that those troops would be there, and he knew that God's army would be surrounding them. So that's where his peace comes from. He is in consistent communication, consistent prayer with God, and Elijah learned how to respond with peace and with trust instead of with fear in the midst of trials. But in the midst of, those, of, of life's most difficult situations, like we, we really have a tendency to respond how the servant does, don't we? <laughs> we have all these crazy uh, emotions and responses between fear and anxiety and, and worry and doubt. We respond in all these crazy ways, but did you know that just like Elijah, we can learn how to replace those emotions with peace? We can replace those emotions with peace, and this happens through prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Now listen, if you're like me, the, the, the first time I read this verse, the first time I really read this verse, I was kind of like, that seems a little gimmicky. What do you mean, don't worry about anything, just pray? Like that's, we can't do that. We don't worry about anything, just pray. Like that does, doesn't seem like it works. But here's the thing is, is we expect God to do our bidding when we pray. The reality is that, that, that when God answers prayers, it doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. Right? God doesn't always answer prayers the way that we would want him to answer prayers. He's not this vending machine that we can just make transactions with. Right? Like, God, I ask you to do this, and you do that. God, will you do this for me, and, you do, and God just gives us whatever we want. Like, that's, that's not how it works. Prayer is offering up everything that we have, everything that we are to God. And then trusting in his will and his outcome. Prayer is saying to God, your will be done, not mine. Prayer is saying, God, I am terrified. God, I'm scared. I'm, I'm overcome with emotion. I don't know what to do, but I trust you. I trust in your will, God. I trust in, in your way. And when we do that, when we can give our problems and our struggles and our trials over to God, the outcome is peace. Because then we can trust in a God whose ways are better than our ways, whose ways are above our ways, whose plan is bigger and better than ours. When we can trust a God who does that and we can put our troubles in his hands, then we can have peace. And that's what prayer does for us. Now, prayer it should be a consistent communication with God. Okay? It's not just when we need something, or it's not even just to say thank you. Right? It should be a constant communication with God, and that's what Elijah had. I think about um, back in the day, my young people, you have no idea the struggles 
of dial-up internet. Okay, you have no idea, and you'd like, you would be sitting at your computer, and you'd hit the button, and you'd hear the dial tone, and you'd hear it dial, and yeah, and you, I heard some of it. You'd hear, and then like you would just sit there and wait for, you've got mail, right? And as soon as you heard that, you knew you were connected. Like young people, you have no idea the struggle, but this is, this is how, we, this is how we, we pray with God, like it's just off and on, right? It's when we need something, when we want something, that's how we pray, but no, we have a cable internet connection to God. We have unlimited data. We are on the unlimited plan. Like we can talk to God as much and any time we want, and we should be in consistent communication with God. It's not a switch. We don't just turn it off and on. We should be in consistent communication with God. All right, after that amazing analogy, let's get, let's get back to this story. We're going to see how, how prayer life really impacted Elisha's life, but also how it can impact our lives. So here's the second thing that prayer does. Prayer opens our eyes to a spiritual battle that is more real than anything we can physically see. Okay, prayer opens our eyes to a spiritual battle that is happening around us all the time. In the midst of Elijah's servant's fear, Elisha prayed, and God answered his prayer. Right, Elijah prayed, open his eyes and let him see. Now, I don't know about you, but this isn't really the, the prayer that I would expect to hear from Elisha at this point. I, I would think he would say, God, help him to overcome his fears. Or, God, destroy the enemy so that my servant can see your power. But no, he, he says, God, open his eyes and, and let him see. And I think this is so interesting because, again, so many times we, we pray transactionally. Instead of praying, God, show me your way. And here's how Elisha prays that God would show his servant his way. And look what happens continuing on in verse 17. So then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. All right, so here's what I want us to see. When Elijah, he, he, when he prays in this way, it opens his servant's eyes to a spiritual reality. His eyes are open to the reality of what's going on around him, what God is, is doing around him. When his eyes are open, he sees God's angels, an army of God's angels surrounding these enemy troops. And maybe then he understands why Elisha can say, don't be afraid. There's more of us than there is of them. Can you imagine that sight? Can you imagine if God, God just opened our eyes just, just for a second? And we could see his angels around us. We could see God's army going to battle for us every single day, protecting us. See, we're naturally in tune with, with our own senses, aren't we? Like if we see something or hear something or taste something or smell something, then, then we think it's real. But if we can't see something, it's a little bit harder for us to buy in. Right? It's a little bit harder for us to believe that something is real if we can't see it. And in the midst of this circumstance, this, this large army in front of them, it's understandable that the servant is, is, is standing there in fear, right? But Elijah knew. Elijah knew there was more to it. He knew that God had prepared for this battle. He knew that there was this spiritual reality beyond what the eyes could see. And he prays for God to open his servant's eyes so that he can see that too. So did you, did you know that? Did you know that there's a spiritual battle going on around us every single day? All the time. There's a spiritual battle, and God is fighting for us. There's this real enemy of God that's fighting to steal and kill and destroy. 
trying to take away our joy, trying to pull us away from God. We read about this. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are in the middle of a spiritual battle. We are right in the middle of it. And one of the ways that we can have victory in this battle, one of the ways that we can win in this battle is through prayer. This continues on in, in, in verse 13, and maybe you've heard of God's armor before. I, I, I love this passage. I love what it talks about, us putting on God, God's armor. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. I love this idea of us going to battle, right? Of us putting on God's armor and being prepared to fight in this battle and taking God's word as our sword. And it says to pray, always. To always be in prayer. See, though we're constantly fighting the the things of this world, God is fighting with us. God is fighting with us. And and prayer, it really helps us to understand that there's more than meets the eye here. There's this spiritual reality that God is in complete control. Full stop. God is in complete control. And when we're connected to God, when we can trust that his army is around us, protecting us from the harm of the enemy, that brings peace into our life, not fear. This is exactly what's happening with with Elisha and his servant. And so let's look at this, this third thing. This is the last thing that prayer does for us. Prayer submits us to a God who can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. See, the power of prayer really highlights God's ability to overcome what, for us, seems impossible. Those things that seem humanly impossible, God can overcome those things. And in this story, we see all kinds of things that are humanly impossible. And yet God overcomes those things. Through Elisha's bold prayers, God, he does, he does just that. So let's, let's continue on, uh, verse 18. So as the army and army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. Now, here's what I, I love about the story is Elisha, he just keeps praying, right? He just keeps praying and praying and praying. He is winning this battle through prayer. Not a single soldier has picked up a sword yet. No, no, nobody's been slain. Nothing has happened. No fight has taken place. He is winning completely through prayer, and he just continues to pray. And all he's doing is opening and closing people's eyes. Well, God's doing the opening and closing, right? But that's what Elijah is praying for is just opening and closing. Open my, open my servant's eyes so that he can see your army. Right, close the enemy's eyes so that they'll be blinded and then I can lead them right to Samaria. He takes them right to Samaria. This is where the king of Israel is at. He delivers them right to the enemy's doorstep and he just continues to pray. 
And he gets there, and they're standing in the middle, and, and the king of Israel, he asks Elijah, should I kill them? And if, when you're reading the story, Matt, for me, I'm like, yes, justice. Get rid of these, these, these bad guys. But God does something different because God's ways are better than our ways. God does something that for many of us seems maybe a little bit ridiculous, but he gives them something that they didn't deserve. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, my father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. God tells Elisha to forgive this army. And not only to forgive them, to provide for them, to feed them and give them drink, and then to send them on their way back home. Like, what is God doing? These guys are just going to come back and try to kill them again. God, what are you doing? He's doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. God is in complete control. And listen, maybe today you are in a situation that seems impossible. Maybe you're in a situation where you've done everything you can possibly think of, everything within your power to get out of that situation. And maybe you're needing a miracle. Maybe God can provide that miracle for you. Maybe we just need more faith, faith in knowing that, that God's ways are so much, so much farther above our ways, so much better and bigger than our ways. And when we pray, we exhibit that kind of faith. When we pray, we are submitting to the fact that God is in complete control. Prayer really it highlights, it highlights our faith that God has the ability to, see, to do that which seems humanly impossible. Right? When we take our struggles, when we take those problems to God, we're showing faith that, listen, God, I know that you can do this. I can't do this. I can't do this, but I know that you can. Prayer can be hard, though. Prayer can be really hard. Because again, when we can't see things, it's hard for us to know that it's real. We bind our own senses. So it's hard to sit down and communicate with God when we can't see him standing, sitting right in front of us. It can be hard. But it's so worth it. Prayer is so worth it to have that communication, to have that open line to God, to speak to him anytime you want. So if you haven't yet felt the power of prayer and what that can do in your life, today's a great day to start. Today's a great day to start that prayer life. See, God is, is, is listening and he's ready to respond. And listen, God wants to hear from you. God wants to be in relationship with you. God wants to be in relationship with you so badly that he sent his only son to die on the cross for you and me. He sent his son to die a sinner's death, even though he was sinless. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and yet he was murdered on the cross to pay the price for our sins. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God wants to be in relationship with you. That's how much God wants to hear from you. God is ready to give you, just like he gave those troops, he's ready to give you what you don't deserve, grace and forgiveness. And all you have to do is pray. So let's do that together. Father God, we come before you and humbly bow our heads, God, and we pray to you and thank you that you are a God 
who gives grace, who gives forgiveness. God, there's no way that we could imagine the kind of love that you must have for us, God. To do what you did for us, God, so that you could be in relationship with us. God, and I thank you for this this story. I thank you for the faith that Elisha has. God, and I pray that we can experience that same power through prayer. God, I pray that our lives, that our hearts, that our, our worlds would be changed through the power of prayer. God, and I pray that anybody in here right now who, who's feeling that, that overwhelming weight, God, who is just being crushed by a situation in their life, God, I pray for whatever's going on in their life that they would understand that you are in control, God, and that they would turn, that they would have a peace in their heart knowing that you've got this. And God, even though it's not always the answer we seek, even though it's not always the resolution that we're after, your ways are better than our ways, God. So I just pray for that person who needs that today. God, and I pray that, that for those of us who have been in that situation, God, and we've, we've come out on the other side stronger, I pray that you would use us, that you would use those people in the lives of those who are struggling right now. Use us to love on one another, God, to, to serve one another. God, and I, I just pray that, that each and every one of us would, would make a commitment today, God, to have a better prayer life, to have a more consistent prayer life. God, we thank you for all you do. We love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.